SRN Survival Radio Network. Welcome to Thank the Grief. It's Friday. Sorry I'm um, getting on the line late. Just had some technical difficulties. Happy Friday. If you haven't been listening to the show, this show is all about talking about grief in an honest and brave way, and we have really honest and powerful conversations. Grief is the price we pay for love. And when we are grieving... I really believe that there needs to be a safe and brave place to go to experience, to move through that grief. I tell people that grief is not something that we get over. Grief is something that we get through. And how do we get through it? It's not just by time. It's what you do in, those t- in that time. 
And this show is one of the things that I'm passionate about because I really believe that there are people out there that are grieving. And grief hits you at nighttime for some reason. I think the mind is, no, the body is maybe relaxed. It's the end of the day. And I chose Friday at 11.30 p.m. And a lot of people said, why are you doing it at that time? I'm doing it at this time because a lot of the people that I work with around grief and myself, this is the time where you feel most alone. So I want to be that voice. I want to bring important information to you when you're grieving. And tonight we are talking about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And I have a very special guest who's going to talk about his lived experience and what is the grief about not fitting in and not feeling that you belong in a world where your experience feels so different, but the world is telling you, you are odd, you are different, you need to change, you need to do something different. And I really believe we all have had that experience before in some way, shape, and form, and that is the grief. It's a grief of your authentic self. It's a grief of you feeling, I am meant to be an apple. My soul is saying, you are a beautiful apple. But the world is telling me, you are not an apple. You are an orange. And at one point, we go through and start to believe, yeah, I'm an orange, so I might as well live an orange life. I am meant only to be drunk in the morning. (laughs) And you go through this life pretending that you're something else when you're not. My guest is going to talk about what that feels like, how he felt by um, having to live a life of being something that he, in his soul he knew he was not, and what was it like when he got his diagnosis, how has it changed his life. And this is the grief. Grief is the price we pay for love. Grief is the, the emotions that we feel when we are creating a new space. Grief is all about a loss. And a loss is not just the loss of a loved one. A loss is another identity, a loss of a friend, a loss of a dream. So I want you to get really comfortable tonight and grab a cup of coffee, get comfortable in your blanket, and come back and let's listen to Renee DeSmith as we talk about his lived experience. You're listening to Thank the Grief It's Friday on the Survival Radio Network. If you're a content creator, social media socialite, influencer, or simply love to record current events, you need the joystick. The joystick is an essential tool for every type of digital content creator. It holds two or more mobile phones or tablets, allowing users to stream and record hands-free on multiple apps simultaneously. And it's lightweight and portable. For more information or to purchase your joystick today, visit our website at www.joystick.com. Do you have tax issues, owe back taxes, or need tax relief? 
contact L&B Tax Service today. L&B offers you over 15 years of expertise and first-class tax service for individuals, professionals, and business owners. With nationwide service, you can easily find a location near you. Contact one of our tax professionals through our website, lbtaxservice.com. That's www.lbtaxservice.com. L&B Tax Service Incorporated. Tax professionals that you can trust. Do you have a business, product, service, or an event coming up? Is your current marketing getting you nowhere? Survival Radio Network is an award-winning network with over 1 million downloads. We're offering high-exposure 30-second spots on our network, reaching diverse demographics both locally and nationwide. Give us a call at 323-977-8172 or visit our website at www.survivalradionetwork.us today. SRN, we do radio. The S-R-N. Welcome back. You're listening to Thanksgiving Friday on the Survival Radio Network. I hope you're having a wonderful Friday. And tonight we're talking to Rainier. Rainier is a 60-year-old man who's had some, we would call it some colorful life. Um, he's definitely not boring. He's had some challenge <laughs> in his life, like most of us, uh, with talents for music and visual imaging and photography. And he's a trained life counselor. And the first 40, I'll let him tell his story. Let's just have a great welcome for Rainier DeSmit. How are you today? Hey. Yikes. Hi, Ophelia. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Thank you for staying up with I'm, me. Well, I'm I'm glad to be here. I am I am mostly awake. I must mostly. Admit. Yeah, mostly. Come on. I'm sure I will waken up as we go. This is way past my bedtime, girl. <laughs> That's okay. You know, That's okay. I'm laughing I'm gl- because you know I have guests that feel this way. And I think there's a grief about when we get older. We're all in bed like early, right? I mean, imagine when you're in your 30s and you yeah. say Friday night you're in bed at this time. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. It's uh, there's there's an old uh, or a new saying. It says uh, that 60 years old is the new uh, 40, but 9 p.m. is the new midnight. <laughs> yes, that's so, so true. So there you go. Yeah, I was reading but your, I'm glad I was to reading, be here. I'm happy to have you here. I think this is an important topic because I remember when you shared this story with me, I had a total different understanding about um, FASD. And I, mm-hmm. let's just jump right in and tell from your experience and from your knowledge Tell the audience, that's whoever is listening there, um, what is FASD? Well, uh, that's a fancy four letters that stands for a fairly big issue uh, called fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Right. And in a nutshell, that kind of means uh, at some point uh, in my mother's pregnancy, she ingested alcohol. Um, in this case, my mom wasn't an alcoholic by any means, but she uh, was a Saturday night martini drinker while the cribbage gang got together. And, right. you know, again, it's important uh, the listeners understand, too, my mom was pregnant with me in 1959. So back then the doctors would, you know, probably had his, and it would have been a him, a him doctor, you know, with his feet up on his desk smoking a cigarette saying to my mom, oh, a glass of wine or two will be good for you and the baby. 
So it was a very <laughs> different time, very different right. time back then. But what happens is there's um, a certain couple chemicals and alcohol specifically that uh, basically, long story short, causes the fetus to develop abnormally, or it can, to be clear, it can. Uh, and so it causes neurological uh, underdevelopment or misdevelopment and uh, also brain function and brain uh, matter uh, development challenges. So that right. kind of means, means uh, you know, in the old days they'd say, uh, they'd say I have brain damage, but I, I actually never had a neurotypical or normal brain to get damaged. It just didn't develop um, along uh, a neurotypical way. So you would say that I got a bit of a custom job on the nervous system and the brain when I was born. Right. So yeah. you talk a lot about your first 40 years of your life where you tried to fit in. So before mm. your diagnosis, what does that feel like? What does that tell the audience what that looked like for you? Well, I guess for me a lot of it was, you know, without a diagnosis and later on in life with misdiagnoses, you know, that was my normal you know, and when someone else, you know, was trying to relate to the world from a normal way and I was trying to do the same thing, um, it didn't work as well for me. Um, the way I, one of the metaphors I use, it's kind of like if I was a, you know, a, a, a car with a stick shift and it had five gears on the floor, most people had five gears and mine had a five gear stick shift, but I didn't know that my third gear just didn't get installed at the factory. And so I'm trying to learn to drive with everybody else with their five gears, and I've got, well, kind of four with the third one missing, and I don't really know what's going on. My car's grinding and jerking about and making a mess, and everybody else is noticing it, and everybody's screaming at me, just put it in third. I'm trying to put it in third. But um, th that metaphor just kind of is a way to illustrate that I didn't know I was I was missing some of the, the – let's say, tools that other people had. And I'm madly trying to make it work, and it, it can't work. So I just ended up feeling foolish, dumb. And I was told that a lot, too, of course, that, you know, I'm stupid. Why don't you just put it in third and drive like a normal person? It but what does that look like in your everyday like life? Like, I mean, I know you gave that analogy, but what did, what did mm -hmm. that look like for you in, like, let's say, you know, with, like in school or school. with your parents? Yeah. 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 Well, well, my parents in school were very similar in the sense a lot of a lot of what happens with FASD is, is a, it's a lot about behavior. I didn't behave well is the way it would be said. And, you know, I I was very um, I spent a lot of time sitting in the corner at school. Um, I was very distractive. I was bored very easily. Um, I impulse control was not very good, so you know I couldn't keep my mouth closed like I was supposed to, and um, that that that's in the outward behavior. From the learning side, uh, my memory uh, memory issues were extremely uh, under functioning. So you know, normal school in North America is. You know, you learn something by rote. You're taught it. You repeat it. Exactly. You know, repite, rep, you know, uh, 
whatever the French term is for that, you know, and I was crappy at that. And so again, I just felt stupid and dumb. I couldn't remember the work. I couldn't remember the lessons. I couldn't remember the formulas. Um, so all these things basically made me uh, stand out, but not in a way that's pleasing to those who want kids under control, if that makes any sense. Oh, totally, because we live in a society where kids are meant to be seen, not heard, right? And Yeah, um, very I, much so. I, and I think that, you know, especially maybe with your gener- the generation, that it was even more prevalent. You know, you were supposed to, you know, go to school, and yes. school was supposed to school was created for us when we were, uh, just started the industrial revolution to give kids a little bit of education so they can go back and work in factories. <laughs> you know, so yeah, correct. Um, Basically, be a good little cog is the way I used to say. I you know, yes, I, I wasn't you a very good not. cog. <laughs> well, I just didn't realize cog. that. Like, no, well, everybody else was, or most people were coming out with sixty-four, you know, teeth in their wheel. And I came out with like 62 or 61, you know, so I didn't mesh very good with the big machine that they were making everybody else fit into. Um, Even to this day, I'm self-employed. I've been self-employed pretty much my entire life um, because it was just so hard to work a normal job and do normal things. And um, I remember once a boss at a retail company i won't say which retail company it was but it rhymes with beatons and i remember i was selling cameras selling cameras for these guys and my manager he he was well-meaning but i remember being kind of taken into the back um you know stockroom and getting the uh, you know sometimes rainier when we get frustrated with life you know we may think about turning to drugs and alcohol and he thought i was on drugs and i was nowhere near drugs um so that kind of thing, you know, where, uh, again, it's nobody's fault, but the near, neurotypical that don't know that you've got an issue, or I had an issue, they try to put you in the normal box. And if you don't behave normal, they figure you're either doing it to bug them or because you've done something to alter yourself, right? Right. And um, I'm, I know that um, some individuals with FASD have sometimes a second diagnosis with mental health, and mm. you know, and just or just just general wellness or anything like that. Because to be you mm-hmm. know, for your first forty years of your life plus, um, where you're being told that you don't fit in, how did that affect your wellness and your mental health? How did that affect? Did you actually start to believe that you were just odd and you're just going to have to put up with this, <coughs> live this way? Oh my way? gosh! Yeah, I'm. St- yeah, I'm still working. I, I don't know if it'll go away in my lifetime. Um, right. What I, what I can do is I can learn my truth and I can learn to operate over the, the background noise that's been there since I see, you know, as long as I can remember. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting. I'm don't, don't get me wrong. I'm open to it going away sometime before I die, but um, there's not a day goes by where I feel, oh shit, I've messed that up. You know, I've I've screwed something up, and um, and a lot of the times there's that little voice that says, "No, you haven't, dude." But that feeling, that gut hit, that body clenching or that contraction, you know, it's it's already happened, and I've just got to kind of push through it and come out the other side. Yeah, and I think that you know when we are. When we were faced with a grief like um, 
like a loss of that I and for you, and for this grief that we're talking about tonight, it's the grief of that I don't fit in. So everybody else is, you know, as I was talking at the beginning of the show, everybody else is um saying that you need to be an orange and you're saying no I'm an apple. And yep. even though that we we accept that we are an apple, there's a grief that is there's part of us even though you want to, comes back that I really wish that I was an orange. <laughs> I really wish well, that that yeah. it would just sometimes be easier. Yes, I'll, I'll jump in and say actually before that stage though where you go, oh, sh- darn, I'm an apple and I wish I was an orange. For a long time though, there's many years of where you go, what's wrong with my orangeness? Exactly. You don't even realize there is an apple option. You go, why am I not like everybody else? So there's the grief kicks in before, before, to be honest, the diagnosis was almost a relief compared to the, compared to that feeling, if I'm normal, what the heck is wrong with me? Yeah, because there's two, two different types of grief, right? You know, there's the grief that I am, I am not, I, I am an, I, everybody's telling me that I'm orange, but I'm not like everybody else is orange. I don't fit yeah. into that family. And then you yeah. get the diagnosis that you're the apple, and you're like, oh, my God, it's another form of grief. I've always been an apple. So when you got diagnosed, um, how did that happen? Like how did you end up <laughs> going from, you know, I'm not fitting into having this diagnosis? What was the process of that for you? Well, I, um, it was really interesting. Uh, I'm a multimedia artist, so I do photography, I do video, and, and uh, also music and that stuff. But I was working for um, Queen's University here in Kingston, Ontario. I was editing videos for their neuroscience department. At the time, it was called NeuroDevNet. Uh, I think it's called Kids Brain Health now. But anyways, I was editing videos uh, about FASD, and I'm kind of going, wow, this this hits awfully close to home. I started feeling like I'm editing my own life. And, uh, you know, after doing three decades of pretty much every possible type of therapy one could think of and only being, to me, half successful, this kind of became the missing link to that. And you kind of go, oh, my gosh, and you start realizing how much time, not wasted, but you realize how much effort certain areas that I tried to fix about myself that were unfixable and it was, would have been better just accept and move on but I didn't know that at the time so the diagnosis really it's weird it's kind of like a relief and it's like an oh boy wow that's what's going on so how did your life change after the diagnosis what are some things that changed for you um a, a huge thing that changed is um letting myself off the hook, let's call it self-forgiveness of um, the example, the memory is probably the one of the most prominent things. Just, you know, someone can tell me their name and within 10 seconds it's gone. Someone can give me four digits, a four digit number. And if I walk across the room, I can't remember the first digit anymore. Like I used to feel so embarrassed and stupid and needed to hide that from the world. Now I don't, I just say, you know, my memory doesn't work. So I'm going to write this down. And it's amazing the number of people that will say to me, what, you can't remember a four-digit number? And I just look him in the eye very calmly say, I cannot. But that that in itself is an example. It, my life got easier at that point because, um, you know, when someone said to me, 
What the hell's wrong with you? I could say, oh, I can answer that question. Here's what is wrong with me, you know? And and it was great because it wasn't from a point of victim. It was just a point of let me clarify some things for you here, you know? Yeah, and I think it's important for people because um, I don't think there's anything wrong with you. It's just who you are, right? And I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the reasons, um, you know, I wanted to talk about this because grief looks so very different. And a lot of times, even in the, you know, when people talk about grief, they don't consider the grief that people, uh, pardon me, people only consider the grief when it, it relates to a, a death of a loved one uh, or even a death of a, yes, of yeah. a friend. But there's grief yeah. in so many different levels, like how you're speaking of, you know. Um, oh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I, yeah, I think for me, it's that it's that uh, you know for me it's that tying in of oh my gosh, I thought it was this way and that dream that thought that belief that hope has just died. Right. You know it is a different kind of death. It's a I I mean the way I look at it is it's a passing of what I had held as possible or true, and it is no longer able to be true or real in my life it can no longer be present and um i mean a lot of this has affected relationships an awful lot of you know me trying to trying to be normal in a relationship when you know i'm not normal i'm not i'm not abnormal i'm not broken or anything i mean some people say you're broken with this particular uh disorder but i i myself do not feel broken i feel I just feel wired differently now. And now that I'm paying attention and personal growth I do, I put my attention on understanding that instead of trying to change it or fix it or make it different. But there were so many things in my life that I built up on. Examples, you know, I I did um, mindfulness sitting and stuff like that. And it was really, really hard for me. I just thought, what's wrong with me? I'm not wired to sit still for very long. It actually becomes an act of, act of cruelty for me. Yet I can sit there and do something simple and mechanical over and over. It's maybe part of my music and editing. And that is my meditation. It's different. Exactly. Exactly. Like I, you know, when I te- tell people and I teach people about meditation, the biggest fear is that I can't sit, I can't sit. I said, well, do you walk? Yes. I said, do you swim? Yes. Then you're meditating. Great. Right? Um, yeah. There's lots of ways. Really it really frustrates me when people put people in a box. And the thing about it is that when, you know, you have children and if you look at kids in a, in a playground or kids in a daycare, they're all different. Yes. They're all different. They all yep. want to express things differently. You know, there was a time where, you know, if you were left-handed naturally, they forced you to use your right hand. I think, you know, when I think of the grief like this that we're talking about, is that your inner being, your inner soul, your inner boy, your inner rainier knew who you were, and mm-hmm. uh, and that made you see the the world differently. In what way would you say that, um, you know, that the in getting diagnosed, it's probably has transformed how you see things. But how do you see things differently? How do you embrace that? This is how my brain works. And how has that maybe contributed in your creativity? Wow. Well, I think, I guess this has always been my philosophy when 
not even it's not even my philosophy. It's my understanding now. At sixty years old, I <laughs> a lot of theories have been shown to be true to me just by re- repetition, and I don't think the universe ever gives us a problem without giving us a an option or an, uh, an opportunity or something else in return. So though I may have a lot of trouble with schoolwork, I may have a lot of troubles with anxiety, I have a lot of uh, chronic pain issues in that. I know a lot of other folks, adults on the spectrum, have the same issues. But what I do have is this really uh, limitless, is a bit, no, I'll say it's, uh, you know, I, my creativity is unlimited. I, I, I have this, this ability to come up with, Stuff I've made my living, uh, I've paid my rent for 40 years based on my creativity. Um, and I, and one, of my, one of my jokes I tell is, you know, people say to me, Rainier, how did you come up with that crazy idea? It's so different than the last one you had. And I kind of go, I can't remember the last one I had. <laughs> and that, and that, so I'm just, it's kind of a joke, but it's true. You know, that's, I, I talk a lot about uh, when I'm talking to groups about this stuff, you know, you know, I found my superpower, and and the price was okay. I'm on this spectrum, and it's gonna take me out of the normal way of being human. And I'm okay with that because here's what I got. Um, I'm I work in a realm where I get to be different, and I get to be compensated for that. And yes, I've had to develop craft. I've had to develop discipline. You know, I've got to meet my deadlines. I need to keep my word and deliver what I say. I need to uh, be an adult creative, but that actually feels good. Um, so a, a lot of the, uh, the the FASD has kind of, in one sense, been a bit of a ticket. You know, uh, last year I was uh, promoted to a creative director at a company I, I work with here in town, uh, C3 uh, Communications, and... and uh, I said, thank gosh, now I can be the guy at the meetings. That's kind of weird because my partner, she's very, you know, she's very solid, straight ahead, really uh, just a solid uh, woman. And I get to sit there kind of in weird clothing and say off-the-cuff things, and it makes sense. But that's actually that the thing that I've had to suppress most of my life, Ophelia, was keep your mouth shut. Don't say those things. Stay in the box. Color inside the lines or you're weird. So in one way, you know, that creative director is actually was a little bit of a license to to just hold my FASD um, ness, my FASD ness, and and allow it to be an active thing in my life instead of something I need to suppress or hide anymore. Yeah, and when you need to pay the bills or you need to write down a phone number, you get a piece of paper. <laughs> and right. I, I that's. Mm-hmm. I've, I've developed compass, compensations for my uh, challenges. I've, I've found ways to make it work. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So what are some ways that you've, you have, if somebody's out there listening to, to this and, say, you know, and they are thinking, this kind of sounds like me, what is something you would suggest that they do? How would they investigate this further? Well, um. It, it's a it's a bit challenging um, in the sense that I, this is my personal opinion. Um, although some people on, in in the uh, work uh, with FASD agree, but FASD is kind of where autism was maybe ten fifteen years ago. 
Right. Um, which which means it's just in the last. My diagnosis is less than three years old. Um, I remember going to my family doctor. I had to explain to him what FASD was, so he would write me a, a, a what you call the a, a script, so I could go to a specialist and start doing the uh, diagnosis process. He didn't he didn't know what the heck it was. So if if someone suspects that they're on the FASD thing, I'd recommend you know there's a number of different sites um, that work with FASD in Canada. Canada's becoming one of the world leaders. Uh, Vancouver's really big. Uh, Kingston's starting to get popular. Uh, Toronto's done some great work. So you've got to basically find the people who can help you get a diagnosis. Um, And that isn't easy because, again, a lot of doctors don't get it. Um, If you're an adult, it's even trickier. Kids, uh, God bless them, they're looked after quite... It's becoming quite the predominant thing in the school system now. Kingston... The uh, Limestone School Board here, they're actually doing talks and educating their people and educators about FASD. Um, But what do you do? Well, I guess you start with your family doctor and you try to find out where they might recommend. If not, you get on. um, uh, If you go on my website, I have a website called awesomeawareness.com. And that's mostly about me. It's uh, but. On the resources page, there's links there to about three or four Canadian websites. And right. that would be a good place to communicate with them and see certain people are doing diagnoses. Not a lot in the cities. A lot of it um, is up more up north and most in First Nation uh, communities and that. It's, it's, a pretty, uh, it's pretty prevalent, prevalent up there. Prevalent. And... Um, it's tricky to get a diagnosis right now for an adult, but my, my case, it took me two years, but it, you keep at it and you start with the doctors. Um, you, again, links on my website are quite solid. Uh, those people uh, get a hold of someone there and talk to them and start the process of the search and the, you know, getting the diagnosis steps put in place. So as we wrap up tonight with, um, with, uh, with with you, tell me if um, what are some just general tips if somebody's feeling uh, maybe they already know their diagnosis and they still really don't, maybe they're not, I don't want to use the word accepting, but at this hour I can't think of anything else. What are some <laughs> tips? <laughs> what are some yeah, tips I get it. They, uh, <laughs> what are some tips that you can give them? Because, it you know, not feeling that you don't fit in is a grief. But then when you realize you are different than the majority of the people, even though there are millions of people that are um, that live with FASD, and right. now you have it, now um, you, you're living with this, and this has maybe become your new normal, what are some tips or some coping things that you, you have um, come up with that might help someone to just sort of start to work through and understand that this um, – it's not a life sentence, so to speak. Well, <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm only laughing because I think the first thing to do is accept that it's a life sentence. Okay. It, it actually, <laughs> yes. I again, uh, it's 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 because it's it's not a chemical issue, so they can't medicate you out of FASD. You know, it's right. it's not a psychological. They can't shrink you out of it. I think the first thing is, you know, to to, to just if this is the road yet you're finding you are on, 
It is to surrender to it and start looking around. There's a number of communities out there. Uh, I, I'm on one on Facebook with over 5,000 members, caregivers, people on the spectrum, and everybody in between. And what first thing is to understand is that um, accepting it will allow you to actually look at yourself as you truly are built and not as you wish you were or not as you, your parents or guardians or church or politicians wish you were built. And I think the first step is to look in the mirror, so to speak, or to look into your own heart and realize that you are awesome, independent of this thing or not, and then start getting curious about how you are built on this particular spectrum. Because right. it's a spec because it's a spectrum, you know, some people are uh, some people are very hard functioning. It's not easy. Some of us, I was blessed. I was lucky. I, I was given a fairly smart custom brain. You know, I, my IQ is pretty good, it turned out. Although most of my life I thought it was very low, turns out not so much. And that helped me compensate and learn a lot about myself. But the first thing one needs to do is develop a curiosity about, I wonder how I'm special in this. Because inside that curiosity, it, it, it'll pull you into your own superpower. Um, it, it, I, I just haven't met anybody on the spectrum yet that doesn't have something that they're just exceptional at. Right. And again, much like, much like autism, it's a totally different thing, but there's gifts buried in this. And um, it, it, it means you know getting therapy. It means getting support. It means really committing to not being a victim and committing to being a specialized human being and in saying that and looking in the mirror with that with pride right not that i'm so so it's almost the same thing oh my god i'm different but instead of going oh my god i'm different it's like oh my god i'm different you know it's that again that curiosity and self uh, respect that acceptance opens doorways to your superpowers yeah, it, it 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 does. I like that. It opens the way to your superpowers. Um, yeah. I think there is a there is always a little super uh, Superman or Wonder Woman in, in each and every one of us. Agreed. And we, Agreed. <laughs> and we just have to find it sometimes. And the thing about it that these inner superheroes that's inside of us, they're they're going to dress differently. You know, sometimes yep. Wonder Woman wants to wear tights and not that little short shorts. Right. <laughs> Correct. And, That's right. Uh, yeah. So we're all different. I think. Um, I really think of this in, and maybe I'm being too, you know, naive. But my really philosophy: the world would be a lot more happier, and if we, because if we accept people for who they are and how they present, because I really believe that children tell you every day from the moment that they're born, "This is me." Yes, because, I know, think so too. You know, and I think it would be easier because um, then we can help them to be that beautiful apple that they're meant to be and yeah. give them the tools that they're they're meant to be. So as we wrap up tonight, Rainier, how do people, I know you mentioned it, but I want it to, you know, people to really hear it as we wrap up. How do people get in touch with you? What's the best way that they can reach you? I would say um, I'm well. I'm on Facebook. You can just under Rainier DeSmith. Um, you can find me there. Awesome How about awareness. How you spell that kind of, for them? Sure. Awesome <laughs> awareness is just the way uh, I spell it. Is like this. A W. Hang on. I have to. <laughs> I meant your name, Philly. 
<laughs> oh, my name. Thank you. I was going to say awesome awareness. <laughs> my name is Rainier, and it's R-E-I-N-I-E-R, and Desmit, D-E-S-M-I-T. And actually, if you just Google that name and F-A-S-D, all in, like, my name and F-A-S-D, you'll get a bunch of stuff come up around me and that whole thing. Awesome. Thank you so much. You've brought some awesome awareness to this uh, <laughs> audience. And I well, thank, thank you. you. For thank you for... I thank you for staying up with me, and I thank you for um, working through the, the technical challenge. And I thought to myself, the person that, that would be able to understand this would be you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I was thinking, well, for once, some other person is trying to solve a technical issue, and I was okay with that. <laughs> uh, All right, well, thank have you a, very much for, uh, for the chat. I really appreciate it, Ophelia. All right, have a good night. Talk to you soon. You too. Okay, yep, likewise. Bye-bye for now. So thank you, audience, for listening tonight. I just want to wrap up and tell and, you know, I always love when people are listening to the show and learning new things. I always learn new things when my guest comes on. And I cannot imagine uh, what it would be like. Well, I could imagine. But um, I think it's so important, if I go back to when I was talking to Rainier about it, grief is the price we pay for love. Grief is a natural response to a loss. And that sounds very simple, but it's grief is one of the most complicated and universal emotion and emotions we'll experience. And as Rainier talked about this, um, it doesn't have to be that you have a diagnosis of FASD. It could be so many things that, you know, um, somebody's telling you your hair is not the way it should be or your body size is not something, and you are going through the world and going through life trying to fit in to be the image and likeness of how a parent, the school, your partner, your spouse, whoever is saying, hey, you need to be like this. And we try and we try to be something that we're not. What I want to inspire you to do is that your inner voice, your inner soul knows who you are. And the grief of not fitting in is okay. It's okay not to fit in. And I was at a business meeting recently, and the key is finding your tribe, finding the apples. So listen to that inner voice. Listen to that voice that's telling you, this is not you, this is not your path. And as Rainier said, my guest, be curious about that. Because if you are curious about that inner voice that's saying this is not you, magical things will happen. One of the things that I have known about myself is that I'm an intuitive, I'm a seer, I'm a medium. And I was really resistant about that word. But there was a grief in me, and it wasn't that people were telling me that I wasn't. People were saying, you are, but I didn't want to be it because my conception of what a medium is was somebody that was shady. But I've come to the acceptance and the realization I manage my life. So there's a grief sometimes that works the other way where you sometimes have a concept about something that it is, 
and you're grieving because you want to be that, but how it's presented into the world or how you perceive it is not how you want it to be or how you want to live it. But hey, you can live your life however you want to live it. You can be whoever you want to be. Yes, you might get some feedback, negative feedback, but if you're living your truth, you will attract your tribe. You will attract people who will want to be around you. Because when we're authentic to with ourselves, that's what the law of attraction is. When we put out our true self, we attract this magnetic entity and energy that resonates with us, that resonates with our soul. So as we are listening tonight, I want you to know that you're a beautiful being, that there is truth and authenticity within you. God designed you to be that shining apple. And it may not be perfect, and there will be some challenges because that's what life is. Life happens when we are living. And if you are feeling that you do not fit in into the, the shape that the world is telling you you ought to be, that's okay. You don't fit in what I would advise you to do is discover what shape are you. If you are a circle and you're trying to fit into a square world, a square tribe, just think, you know what, I am a circle. And I'm going to find other circles. And once you do that, there is going to be this lightening of the load because grief is a heavy load that we carry. It weighs us down. It brings on depression and anxiety. It can bring on shame and fear. But when we fall into, this is who I am, the load is lightened. Grief is something that moves through us as grief moves with us. So I thank you for listening tonight. I want to encourage you to always pursue your authentic self. I always wanted to pursue living in the light and knowing that you are an awesome being And look for that door. Stay curious until it opens and you find your magical superhero. Thank you for listening. This is Thank the Grief It's Friday on the Survival Radio Network. Join me again next Friday at 11.30 p.m. Have an awesome night. Thank you.